Hey, good afternoon, and welcome to episode three of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Stiles, and rather than any kind of long intro, we're just going to dive into things because there's just that much still going on. It's been anything but a slow and uneventful offseason, and there's lots to talk about. So how many times has it ever happened that a competitive team in any league has done the rest of the teams a favor in that same league? And that is exactly what the Calgary Flames have done for the Montreal Canadiens with the trade of Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers. Before we dive into that, though, what is going on and how has Calgary suddenly been labeled a city from hell? It's a beautiful city with an amazing, breathtaking landscape. The people are fantastic. They're kind. They're friendly. They're always up for an open discussion about anything and everything. How did Calgary suddenly get labeled as hell on earth? I mean, unless people no longer care about quality of life, and that's not a big issue or a major issue of importance to them, it's a gorgeous city that offers you tremendous quality of life. But back to the trade. So the trade should be speaking volumes regarding the compensation expectations that everybody thinks the Montreal Canadiens should be throwing at the Winnipeg Jets for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So let's look at this trade a little deeper. So you had a 24-year-old, elitely talented athlete in Matthew Kachuk traded to the Florida Panthers from the Calgary Flames along with a fourth-round draft pick. In return, they got a 29-year-old elitely talented athlete named Jonathan Hubedeau, one of the best players in the league. Excellent pickup in value. They got a defenseman, Mackenzie Weger, solid, proven NHL defenseman with experience. They got a future prospect in forward Cole Schwint at 23 years old. Good young center prospect. And a conditional, but top 10 protected 2025 first-round pick. Great haul. Outstanding job by the Calgary Flames. I mean, for everybody that thinks the management should have come unglued and reacted in a state of panic, they were extremely level-headed and got great value for their players that they were going to lose, or the player they were going to lose. Doesn't that point out clearly the level of insanity and excessive overcompensation that people want to just throw at the Winnipeg Jets or actually believe that it's necessary for the Montreal Canadiens to trade to the Winnipeg Jets. There's been people that have wanted to include Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Caden Gooley, an additional first-round pick for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I have nothing personal against Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm sure he is an amazing player. No doubt he's a good player. But I really can't think of a player in the NHL let alone Pierre-Luc Dubois, that I would be willing to throw that level of compensation at. Because it would leave me nothing to pair that player with. It would leave me nothing with chemistry on the team. It would raid the team of talent. So you traded for one guy, but you're still losing a ton of games, finishing at best maybe as the last team to get into the playoffs. That doesn't sound like what a management team should be building their team to be able to accomplish professionally. But I would think that teams are being built to be long-lasting, highly competitive, in it every year, a bona fide contender, if not a Final Four top-level team. That would seem like that would be the goal of every management team to me. Otherwise, I would think people are wasting their times. So as mentioned in a previous episode, just the overcompensation that people want to spend to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois would literally make the Montreal Canadiens a bottom, permanent, league feeder team. 
And I don't think anybody wants to see him in Montreal in a position like that. Not to mention the fact, like we already mentioned, who would he line up with? I mean, is the plan to have him line up against the team's other 20-man roster? I don't think that's going to turn out real well. That's probably not going to have a real high success rate to it. As much as I admire Sidney Crosby and as much as he has had a not only incredible but amazing career, I wouldn't even trade him for it, all those players. I mean, especially now, being that he's 35 years old. I mean, let's be honest. Whether whether or not Sidney Crosby is the favorite and your chosen player that you've ever seen, at 35, he is, anybody like it or not, on the backside of his career. Star-studded career, amazing career, amazing athlete, great person, I'm sure. I've never personally met him. I, I don't know, but I'm going to certainly not say that he's not. I'm sure he's a incredible human being, okay? But even him, I wouldn't trade all those players for. A player can only do so much for an NHL roster, for any team roster. you, you got to have more than one guy, hence the term team sports. Now, a more realistic compensation for Dubois might contain or consist of Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, Jonathan Drouin, Mike Hoffman, Jake Evans. If Montreal still owns the right to a, a prospect previously drafted, Jacob Olson. But I, I think his rights went away this year because they had to sign him, if I remember right, by a certain date. So if they still have his rights, that could be an option within the package. Maybe sending somebody like him instead of Jonathan Drouin. Less immediate payroll impact. Younger player. A selection of those players would be more than adequate for Pierre-Luc Dubois. It would be absurd to send all those other young prospects. And here's something I'm sure some people will agree with, disagree with, find fault with, whatever it might be. But if somebody was to say, who do you think would make the better team captain, Pierre-Luc Dubois or Nick Suzuki? Suzuki wins hands down. Suzuki has parts to his game that are extremely rare. Extremely rare in the fact that the most recent players that I can think of that had those types of intangibles are Steve Eiserman and Bob Gainey. There was intangibles to their game. There was a leave-it-all-on-the-table mentality, a commitment to excellence. It's just not something a lot of players have. Obviously, all players love the game that they play. They've grown up. They've trained for it. But there are certain players that are at just a different level. And you can see it in the way they play. You can see it in their commitment to the organization. You can see it in their commitment to the game. You can see it in how they interact with people. You can see the effects they have on the rest of their teammates in the locker room. Whenever there is support or those types of private meetings and things like that, they are at the forefront of their team. That's when they rise to even a higher standard and take a hold of the situation and resolve it like nobody else is going to be able to. Back to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yes, he's had three 20-plus goal seasons. Yes, he's six foot three, 216 pounds. He was drafted third overall in the 2016 NHL entry draft. And he's 24 years old. If you look at the compensation players that I just mentioned, Josh Anderson and Pierre-Luc Dubois are almost physical carbon copies, as is their game styles. Josh Anderson is 6'3", 227, 11 pounds heavier, 28 years old, just turned that, so he's a little older. Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, projected as a power forward type player, 
very similar physical build, and honestly, very similar statistics in their career. Josh Anderson, just like Pierre-Luc Dubois, has had 320-goal-plus seasons with 20, 20, and 28 for Pierre-Luc Dubois, respectively. Josh Anderson has had two seasons at 19, so he's knocking right on the doorstep of 20 goals and had his 27-goal season. So they are very, very similar. Another advantage that Josh Anderson would offer Winnipeg that is nothing small to overlook is he's locked up for multiple years at $5.5 million for an average cap hit on the team salary. That's a very digestible contract. Very digestible. And with cost certainty and lockup, that means he offers Winnipeg something that apparently is quite a challenge in, in Winnipeg. Apparently, it's really hard for them to hold on to players. Apparently, it's hard for them to sign players for long term. Why? I have no idea. I'm not going to proclaim to have any inside information in any organization. But apparently it's a problem because it seems to be making the news. Apparently there's something behind that particular issue. Add to that with Josh Anderson, center left wing Christian Dvorak. Again, another young player, 26 years old, 6 foot 1, 200 pounds, has an annual cap hit of 4.5, again with multiple years left on it. That provides Winnipeg cost certainty, longevity. They don't have to worry about next year having to re-sign all these players and having them walk away. So it adds a stability to the team as well. We're not done yet. Add either Jonathan Drouin or Jacob Olsson, who are respectively 27 and 22 years of age. In the case of Jonathan Drouin, he can play all three forward positions. Ironically, he was the third pick overall in his draft, like Dubois wasn't his. Another young player in his mid-20s at 27. Or if that's too many contracts and too much impact on the team payroll, like I said, throw in... Jacob Olson, 22 years old, 6'2", knocking right on the doorstep of 200 pounds at 196 pounds. Can play center or left wing, viewed as a solid third line, two-way center. And even after all of that, if there's a desire to just sweeten the pot a little bit more, throw in Jake Evans. And everybody's like, oh my God, why? He's, he's really good for the Canadians. The Canadians have always had a massive amount of talent in the bottom six. They have had a selection of talent in the bottom six to choose from that few other teams in the league have. And it's an enviable position to be in. Their problem has been more towards the top-level elite talent, the talent that can be game-breakers, the talent that it doesn't need to be a 2-1 or a 3-2 game all the time. They can break it open. Although Jake Evans has been a solid player for the Montreal Canadiens, certainly after being drafted in the seventh round, has been far more valuable than a seventh-round pick i.e. would be seen as one of those diamonds in the rough. He also is 26 years old, 6 foot, 176 pounds, carries a $1.7 million per year cap hit on the team. Again, for multiple years, so we got another player with cost certainty, another young player. It's not like Montreal's dumping mid-30-year-old players in, in Winnipeg or offering up mid-30-year-old players and nothing else near the end of their career. These are all young players that are in the primes of their career. They don't require any more seasoning, time in the AHL. They are ready to go and hit the ice the day they arrive. But the reason I would include Jake Evans is, again, Montreal has a lot of options for second and third line centers. Still, even with all the changes that they've made, they still have a lot of options. As a matter of fact, the one, two, three positions of Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, and Rem Picklick are pretty much locked up. Okay, so you're talking about 
needing a center for the fourth line. That's going to be what? Somewhere between four and eight minutes a game? Not that that is an unimportant position, because it's not. Every position is important. But unfortunately, there's been some players, Eric Jake Evans comes to mind, as well as Ryan Paling, that have suffered a lot of injuries at a younger age. And from a long-term perspective, I hope they have incredible careers. I hope they have not only a career year at some point, I wish them a very long, healthy, successful career. That being said, from a perspective of long-term health, from an injury perspective, from a man-game-loss perspective, there might be some red flags there. But a combination of those players that I mentioned is absolutely more than adequate to compensate Winnipeg with for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I know Pierre-Luc Dubois is loved because not only is he a local francophone, he's a big center that a lot of people have seen. The interesting thing is that people seem to already be ready to dismiss Kirby Doc. I have no idea why. And again, what's really weird about this is he too, like Drouin, like uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois themselves, was a third pick overall in his draft. Apparently you must not want to be drafted a third because you just have a really weird career ahead of you. But he's 6'4", and depending on, from everything that I've seen, is either right around 200 pounds or 200, up to 224 pounds, depending on what information source you're reading from. He's your big center. Yet the man hasn't even practiced or skated that much yet, other than in a exhibition season game. And everybody seems to go, oh my God, that's not the answer. We need Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, what if Kirby Doc? could live up to his draft status, not draft status in the form of number three, but to his skills that made him the third overall pick. There's been a lot of people that have talked about a very high skill level from him. And although he's been in the NHL for three years, he's relatively unscathed. He hasn't been injured. He hasn't taken a ton of physical wear and tear. He doesn't have a lot of mileage already. He's still very young, still very mobile, very moldable as well. And I think with a coach like Martin St. Louis, he will be a very effective player. I would struggle to understand why people would be happy and be willing to spend all of that organizational capital for a 60-point player in Pierre-Luc Dubois. And yet if Kirby Doc was to do that same thing, why would there be any difference? Is it strictly a Francophone, Anglophone thing? I mean, is that, the, is that more important than anything else. I get that it's important. I understand the love of the local language and culture. Montreal is a city like no other. It's a beautiful city. Truly, if somebody mentions the term bilingual to me, that city is the absolute definition of that. It is a fantastic place with the most amazing people. And I'm not saying that for extra points or anything else. I've been fortunate enough to be to Montreal several times. It is a absolutely first-class, gorgeous city. It at, in every way, from its architecture to its people, you name it. it. It's one of the finest cities in the world. All of that aside, the organization has to look out for what's best for the organization. And the other issue is Kirby Doc is going to be a lot cheaper for a long time than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Tampa seems to have some type of magic. They seem to have many, many players at $8 million plus a year. And somehow, miraculously, still keep them under cap. And teams should be looking at that right now. Because Tampa is doing a phenomenal cap management job. 
They are holding on to their core players and a lot of other peripheral players and keeping them around. Maybe that's because the Florida beaches, the weather, the taxation differences and things like that. But they have come up with a system that is working really, really well for them. And that should serve as a league model template for other organizations. Now, before anybody says, oh, well, see, Calgary, though, they gave up a superstar. They got a superstar. Yeah, but there was a couple of things that I mentioned earlier. First of all, the star that left Calgary was 24. The star coming in is 29. Also, the star coming in is a UFA along with the defenseman, Mackenzie Weger, that they picked up. I hope Calgary does not find itself in a position of more free agencies or more players walking away in a year. I hope both Jonathan Hubido and Mackenzie Weger sign long-term contracts, and they both said they're willing to do that, and I hope that's for real. Because Calgary, I wouldn't wish what Calgary has gone through on any organization and certainly wouldn't want to see anybody have to live through that again. But... As someone once said, until their names are on new contracts, it's an unknown. So in reality, maybe they stay long-term, maybe they don't. So now let's look at the trade return that they got again. You might have gotten two of the primary players, certainly the primary player in Jonathan Hubido. They could be a year rental situation. Calgary doesn't want that. Nobody wants to see that happen to them, but it could go that way. There's a lot of flexibility there for opportunities. There's 31 other leagues that could step in and make can't-turn-down type offers and things like that. So in reality, and I hope it doesn't turn out this way, you could end up with a 23-year-old center prospect in Cole Schwinn and a conditional 2025 first-round pick, which is the other interesting side of the equation. What does that actually mean? 2025 conditional top 10 protected pick. So part of it is self-explanatory. The protective status to it is if it's a top 10 pick, Calgary retains the pick. And if I recall correctly, that means the pick would automatically roll over to the next year. That's the obvious part of that. But conditional, conditional on if Florida wins the Stanley Cup with Matthew Kachuk in the first year, what's the other part of the conditional definition? And, of course, obviously only the general managers involved in the trade are going to know that unless that's been made public somewhere. So that that's kind of a lot of what if. So the potential return could be a lot less if things didn't proceed in the proper direction. So, as mentioned before, hopefully Jonathan Hubido and Mackenzie Weger both do sign long-term contracts. That would be a much better scenario for Calgary. The other thing about the 2025 first-round pick that's conditional and protected is who's in that draft? What will Calgary have to choose from? Will Calgary be in a position of needing forward, but it's a deep defensive draft? Those, again, a lot of unknowns. So the actual value of that pick is to be determined. Could be a great pick. Could be an amazing prospect that they get. Could be a very average draft. At this point, I certainly don't know. I'm sure there's some other experts out there that probably would have more information on that, might be more aware of who's in that or who and what those prospects are looking like at this point in their development, where they might project in that draft and things like that. The other scary part of this whole Pierre-Luc Dubois discussion or topic is that it potentially could be an identical repeat to the Jonathan Drouin trade. Once again, a very high-drafted, 
perceived highly skilled player, French-Canadian, addresses all the language, political, local issues and things, which, again, I will never make fun of. Totally understand the importance. They are legitimate, important things. Whether any other city agrees with it, Montreal, as well as being a fantastic city full of fantastic people and a beautiful architectural city, is also a very unique city. There's just a environment and concerns that aren't big concerns in a lot of other cities whether they be in canada the united states wherever they are in the world montreal is is so unique in so many ways and i think that adds to its character i think that adds to its ability to stand out amongst other cities for by the way for good reasons i'm that's not sarcasm for good reasons i think montreal is a fantastically unique fun city But I'm also sure that the people of Montreal really miss the days of Montreal being a contender every year and the Stanley Cup taking its place and its only place in Montreal that it should ever be. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that long for those days. So that being said, to me, icing the best roster, whether they be from Russia, Europe, Slovenia, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Austria, Canada, the U.S., the list keeps going because it is now a truly global game. And I'm sure the fans and definitely the organizational personnel want to ice the best team so that every year people aren't guessing, hoping that the Canadians get into the playoffs. They are a perennial powerhouse, which is the only thing that they should be. Thankfully, within the new management, there is some prudence and a lot of in-depth thinking. Not that there hasn't been in other regimes or other management teams, but this new group in Montreal has already presented some very clear messages and practices on how they intend to do business. They're looking for players to be smart, articulate, team players, organizational focused. They're adding staff everywhere to the organization for development, analytics, travel. They're filling in all the blanks. They're making Montreal one of those destinations for NHL players that won't believe their eyes when they see everything that awaits them. Not to be left out of that is the Laval Rockets rink in Broussard. It's a state-of-the-art. It's better than some NHL rinks are. And finally, there is a team of management and coaching at the same time that everybody's on the same page. That's been, along with development, one of the biggest problems. Either people have different expectations on how things should be done. There's been a request for a certain type of talent. That type of player is never acquired. So that gaping inefficiency remains and is obvious on the ice. Finally, everybody seems to be on the same page. That in itself will make such a difference moving forward. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's show for episode three. Again, I'm your host, Stephen Stiles. And until the next episode, we will talk again soon.